as we walk through Romans, um, God, walk with us. Holy Spirit, guide us. Let your words come into our hearts, God, and actually move our hearts. Convict us, God, but God, empower us to be able to live out your truth. In your name I pray, amen. So Romans 1, key verse here is Romans 1, 16 through 18. It says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the, pow- is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For, it, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Listen to what a, a, a nice key verse out of Romans chapter 2 says. It's Romans chapter 2, 28 to 29. A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward or physical. No, no, a person is not a Jew who is a Jew, sorry, a, no, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart. By the, spirit, by the Spirit, not by the written code, such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Circumcision is not an outward thing, it's a circumcision of the heart. God changes our heart through the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. Listen to Romans 3, 321 through 24. But now, apart from the law, right, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. So in chapter 4, Abraham, I'm sorry, talking about Abraham here and his faith, and it's kind of a faith chapter. Listen to what it says. We're going we're gonna to go, it's 18 through 25. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. But since, sorry, since he was about 100 years old and, and that Sarah's womb was also about dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the, the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is, why it's, this, this is why it was accredited to him as righteousness. The words it was accredited to him were written not only for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will, give, to whom God will credit righteous. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to, raised to life for our justification. Does anybody in here know the meaning of the word justification? Go. <laughs> Fake. <laughs> anybody know what the meaning of justification is? All right, nobody does. Maybe I don't know either. <laughs> you want to pull it up? Yeah, go read it for me. It is uh, Make something right. Go ahead. The action of showing something to be right or reasonable. Yes, the action of showing something to be right or to be reasonable. 
Today we're going to talk about justification. Pretty much the results of this justification, the results of faith is what we're going to look at. And we, we read those key chapters and Paul is now carrying us on a journey, showing us that the gospel is the most powerful thing and that our circumcision is done from the inside, that we're all sinners in need of a savior and we have to be reconciled to God by Christ. And last but not least, but by faith we've been saved. And this is the reason why we're justified, because we're justified by faith and faith alone. Today in our passage, Paul starts off our passage by talking primarily about this word called, sorry, this word called peace. In the beginning of the passage, it says this. It says that, is that, it says that because of peace, sorry, let me, I, my nose is catching up to me here. My iPad is a little slow, it's old. If you want to buy me a new one, I'll take a love offering. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> It says, therefore, since you've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained such acts, gained access by faith into this grace in which now we stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. This word peace pretty much means a reconciliation, a, a pr pretty much a relationship we now have with God based upon Jesus Christ. So what does a relationship look like? What is that, what is this thing? Our Christian walk it's not a mere thing that we do and we just go out and say that we're Christians. So we have two types of people, right? We have the people who, who are called, I would call them legalists. They do and do and do and do. They work hard and hard and hard, but they don't actually have faith. They just want to work because their works is what they're justified by in their head. So you see people, many people, they, they'll use their works to try and justify them, themselves. God, if I can just do, you will then love me. God, if I can just say, you can just love me. If I could bring enough people to thrive, you, God, will see me and recognize me and give me so many rewards in heaven that I'll be glittering like a, some type of halo angel. But then there's the other people on the other side. We call, we're going to call them antinomians, Right? Pretty much that they would say this, but since grace abound, I mean I can go on sinning, right? I can just be, I can best sin and go on sinning and just do whatever I want to do. Of course, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin is less the crimson stain and I'm going to keep it stained. That's pretty much what they say. Because they believe that if, if God has paid for my sins, I could just live the way I want to. I could do whatever I want and I have to abide by nothing. And these two people don't understand that I, I think that it's a little bit more, because there's two different extremes, it's a little bit more than that. The relationship that we have with God, this peace that ta it talks about in Romans 5, primarily brings us back to this relationship we have with God. When we just do, do, do with no relationship with God, we've missed the mark of what this purpose is actually, the purpose of this thing is for. Also, when we, when we live a life of just going and doing whatever we please, we've missed the same thing. That relationship. Because our relationship with Christ is an investment. When, when we call ourselves Christians, it's not that we only get to do, 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 or on the other hand, we get to have grace, grace, grace. Rather, it's an investment of our lives to Jesus Christ. God's telling us this in this, same chap in this chapter that we now have peace with God because of this investment that Jesus first made for us and now we back to him in this investment of our lives. It's amazing because the, the, the Bible tells us that through, through whom, and this is Romans 5, 2, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we could boast in the hope of the glory of God. Our salvation is not for our own boasts, 
at all. Matter of fact, I can't stand here and tell you anything that I've done to gain the salvation that God has given me because I can't boast. The only thing I can boast for is for God's glory on my life. God was so gracious enough to see a sinner like me reach out his hand and grip me in the midst of my sin and then forgive me for it, therefore I have eternal life. There's nothing that I, I actually do. It's not even a prayer that I said that I actually like, engage in. No, it's God stepping down from heaven, interceding through his son and indwelling me with the Holy Spirit. It's an intentional choice that we make to follow Jesus Christ that we make to be saved. When making this choice, my dear friends, we are now giving our lives in full surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us continue. It doesn't stop there. Matter of fact, I can say this. Paul then wraps up those two verses by saying this. I'm going to repeat it again. He wraps us by telling us that this harmony, this, 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 this peace, this relationship, it leads us to do something, to boast in the hope of the glory of God. Then he goes on to say this, not only so, but we, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hard times in our lives can be used for the glory of God. It's used to glorify, uh, to glorify God, to grow us, and to strengthen us. Matter of fact, God, I would believe that God doesn't ordain suffering, but allows suffering in the lives of people to what? Grow them and train them in the way that they should go. Three words Paul used here in this passage. Perseverance, character, and hope. Let's look at these words. Perseverance, we're going to start with perseverance. James 1, and we're going to kind of go with James to see how James is kind of dealing with suffering as well. Perseverance, it says this, consider it pure, this is James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish, it, finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. As I think and I reflect back on this and I'm doing my studies, right, I, I kind of like, like, don't usually do this because I don't want to, like, end up like a nerd. So I'm, like, kind of, like, self-conscious of being a nerd. And so, like, but I, I, today I was like, I'm going to dabble into Greek. Why not, you know? And so I call the best Greek scholar I know in, in world history, I call Michael Bratusa. And so we, we then talk on the phone and, and dialogue about this Greek. And I realize that, man, I'm really becoming a nerd because why did I do this? And, but I'm thinking about this and I realize something. It hits me. That, but, uh, that James is now using this word perseverance, same word that Paul used. I mean, it's the exact same Greek word. So something now is clicking in my head, and I'm like, whoa, this is a little bit of a connection. See, I, I realize that James is telling these, these 12 tribes as being persecuted that they, they must continue on in suffering and, and keep faithful to the Lord in their suffering because that will produce what? Perseverance. But what did Paul, Paul tell us? That we should have glory in our sufferings because what? Our sufferings, what? Produces perseverance. My friends, I come to tell you today that it, it, this is something that we should realize in our, in our mind because when we're going through hard times and we don't understand what's going on, we, we, we could come to a conclusion that maybe God is using this so that we can persevere. He's bringing us strong. He's putting us, he's 
he's, he's allowing his Holy Spirit to work in us that we can grow to be strong believers in Jesus Christ. Sometimes suffering might be hard. I get that. It's hard. It makes you cry. It makes all these different emotions come on you. But I guarantee you, the Lord is working inside of you. Like John Piper would say, to cause a peculiar glory inside of you. An uncommon glory that is far beyond our understanding that God is working inside of our hearts to bring forth perseverance in our own life. So what about this word character? Well, also in the Greek, this word character is kind of similar to the word testing. See, it comes from the same Greek root word, and so like, although the words, when they kind of pan out, they don't sound the same or make the same, they, they still come from the same Greek root word. And so what does that mean? That means that when it talks about testing, it's talking about character, or can also be translated as proven. When we talk about God making character in our lives and doing these things to make this, this character work, listen to what James says, and I'm going to read it again, and, and, and hold on to the word testing as I read this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you, can, because you know that the testing of your faith produce, produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Listen to what Romans says. It says, not, o- not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that our suffering produces perseverance. It produces character, and character produces what? Hope. This thing is what it's, it's pretty much telling us that, uh, that uh, when we glory in our suffering, when we understand our suffering and actually boast in Christ, having peace with Christ and the relationship I talk about, we then come to a place to understand that God is now proving our character. He's, by testing us, he's proving who we are in Jesus Christ, an authentic relationship we have with him. You ever met a person who, after going through trials and tribulations, they kind of fall off the wayside? They can't take it. It's just like, I can't hold on to this God thing because, like, I, 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 don't, I just can't do this. It's too hard for me. Have you also met a believer who's been going through trials and tribulations, I mean, homeless and doing different things like that? They're, like, so dedicated to their relationship with God, and they're just like, I have to persevere. I have to persevere. Why? Because I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. It's two different acts, Right? Because we realize that this perseverance that Jesus gives us proves to us, only us, that we are genuine believers of him in our own suffering. So you're thinking about how in my suffering could God prove my character? How in my own suffering and the things that's going on in my life? Devante, you don't know me. You don't know what's going on in my life. You don't understand how hard it is. Maybe I don't. I probably don't, but I say God understands what it is. And God is working in your lives to bring you towards glorification in him. So therefore, continue to persevere. Even in the midst of trials, when things look like it's go- not going your way, when life came and take a fat dump on your face, give glory to God. See, I've realized this in my own life when, I, when, when I, my, my doubts and fears and insecurities start to, to weigh me down, when I start to pace back and forth in my own life, I start to lose focus on the relationship I have with Christ. I don't feel at peace with anything. And I realize this, this, this peace word, we, we always have to feel at peace about something. God, how do I know what I'm supposed to do? I need to feel at peace about it. But God, I need to call somebody out. I need to feel at peace about it. Well, I don't feel at peace about calling somebody out. I guess I shouldn't call somebody out. No, 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 that's not how that works. Back up. Boop, boop. Okay, here we go. If you have peace with Christ, 
then no matter what these other situations that you don't have peace with, go with perseverance with Christ. See, in my own life, back to what I was saying, in my own life, I find myself going through situations and not having peace about it and fall on the wayside because I forget the relationship I have. I forget the peace that I have with Christ, this, this thing, this, call, this reconcilia- reconciliation I have with him. So then I start to doubt myself. I start to doubt my own relationship with God because I allow sin to taint my mind and, and pull me away. I allow sin to sell me these lies that I could be better someplace else. So I, I, let, I let sin creep in and start to like, like form my thoughts. And then I, I start to realize that the, the thing that's most important to me is not important anymore. But God wants to change that. And so what he does is he continues to allow suffering to move in my life and, and cause me to have hard times. And then over time, by the work of the Holy Spirit, only by him, that this, this suffering happens, brings forth character in me and makes me what James says, a mature Christian. My friend Jeremiah loves to talk about mature Christians. He likes to talk about your maturity in Christ and how mature you are. And based upon the decisions that you make, it shows your maturity in Christ. Well, I don't want to pat him on his back because he already, his head is already big as this big. But we're going to tell him the truth that this is actually true. The decisions that we make, James tells us this to be true, that it proves our maturity in Christ. So God, when he's bringing this character in us, is bringing us towards maturity in him. So therefore, 10 years later, decisions that you made back in the past, you wouldn't make again based upon the lessons you've learned through your suffering. So that's last one, hope. Listen to what James says, James 1, 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. For when you ask, you should believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. Insert joke. I can't believe I read it. Okay, anyway. I suppose the insert joke there. We're going to skip that. We get, actually, that didn't happen just now. So, back. <laughs> good joke, good joke. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot what I, what was I going to say there, anyway. Anyway, so worry about it. So... <laughs> Oh, let's calm down. Let's get back. Let's bring it back. So at hope, as we, as, we, as we think about hope and we understand the meaning of hope, I start to look up, like, what is the antonym of the word hope? And I realize the antonym of the word hope is doubt. And so I'm reading the James passage, and I see that God tells us not to doubt when we come to him in prayer. When we lack in anything, we should come to him in prayer, and we should pray without doubting him. See, we have this one hope, and that hope is in Jesus Christ. And I'm not trying to big the church that I go to, but we have this one hope that is this hope in Jesus Christ that, that, when, that, this, that we, just, we just focus our minds on the hope that we have, our future glory in Jesus Christ, we will then persevere and build character. James tells us that if we lack in anything as, as, he, as it pertains to our suffering, if we lack in wisdom as it pertains to dealing with our suffering, that we should pray to the Lord. And, and guess what? Pray without doubting. Pray, without, pray with hope and pray with not, not having hope. 
And we said this thing all meshes together. We understand that because we have Christ based upon our own justification by faith, we then have perseverance in the Lord. And because we have perseverance, it produces in us a character and a maturity in Christ. And based upon this maturity in Christ, we can then look forward to the Lord in our suffering because we have hope in Jesus. Matter of fact, I, I wrestled in my mind how this, 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 this thing should work, how we should have all these three things together. And I, I started to think about where, where in my own life did this kind of happen? Where in other people's lives have I seen this? And I remember about an old hymn writer. And he was a part of the Chicago Fire, and, and it's amazing because everything that he had burned down and was out for the count. And so his friend told him to go over to Europe and, and they would send his family over to Europe and he should go over to Europe and take a, uh, take a break from this, this fire and all these things that's going on in his life. I mean, pure suffering. So what he does, he sent his wife and his three kids away and as they were on the water, the ship sank and his three daughters died. And only his wife made it. For him to then get a letter from his wife that says that his little three daughters died after all of his business and everything is burnt away. I mean, look at suffering. But the man then got on a boat to go and meet his wife in Europe. And when he got over the same place that his wife, I mean, that his kids died, he wrote the hymn, It Is Well, With My Soul. Because why? He had, it, was a, it, was a t- it was a test in a faith, man. I have to persevere. Now my business has gone away, but I'm going to sell my kids over. We're going we're gonna to just try and deal with this. And then and my kids died, but I have to stay mature in my faith. And as I get to the place, I have hope in Christ that it is well with my soul. So whatever you're going through, I can tell you right now, as you look forward to the future, to your hope, know that it is well with your soul. See, the good thing is, is that God is the one that holds on to your soul, and God is the one that preserves your soul. Therefore, that's why you can persevere. There's an old, there's an old, old theology called perseverance of the saints. Some scholars out there are going to disagree with me, and that's just okay. It comes from the lovely guy, John Calvin, who is a very, 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 very smart guy. I'm not trying to make him sound smart or anything, or trying to show you anything. But John, pa- John Calvin came with a view called Perseverance of the Saints. And I like to add on to Perseverance of the Saints, the preservation of the saints too, because God doesn't only put his, put, put his spirit in the believer so that the believer can persevere. He also put his spirit in the believer so the, the believer can be preserved for the day of redemption. So God is actually working in you to make you persevere, but he's also holding your soul together in the midst of your suffering so that you'll be preserved in the day of Christ. It's God that holds your soul, and that's why this hymn writer could write, it is well with my soul. Because even in the midst of what's going on, as young adults, as the world starts to sell us these lies, that we must look a certain way, that we must be at a certain place in life, that we should talk a certain way, that if we don't smoke enough or drink enough or slap ourselves enough, if we're not getting ourselves together, then we, my dear friends, are not good enough. But it's all a lie. And so what we start to do is we start to get all this anxiety and depression because we think that we haven't made it to where we need to be. But I'm coming to tell you that in the midst of that suffering, that there's a hope for you in glory. And that's glory with Christ forever. 
What is the result of justification? What is the result of faith? It's the perseverance through the trials of your life. It's the result of this is Christ and Christ alone. That he's going to work in your life to bring you towards himself. He loves us so much that he see. He loves us so much that he, he saw how dirty we were and messed up that he came and said that, that this, is, this is my child and I'm going to bring you towards myself so I can be pleased and that will please you. Do you remember before you were a Christian when the things of God did not please you at all? I mean, you were out there doing whatever you wanted to do and you had no conviction. Or you had some guilt, but it wasn't really real guilt. I mean, if no one really see you, then you like feel fine. But then you became a believer and it's like a total transformation in your life. I mean, like things that never convicts you before, you're starting to feel like something's wrong. I mean, I, you, you, start, you were going like 90 miles per hour in a 60 and then you started to go 65 in a 60. And boy, I know that's not some of you guys, I know. <laughs> but your sins start to convict you. God allows the spirit in our lives to bring us closer to him. So when our suffering leaves us hopeless, when it leaves us feeling powerless or weak, remember, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners, Romans 5, 6. See, our passage didn't stop there about the suffering. Listen to what it went on to say, Romans 5, 6, 11. You see that at just the right time, when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, sorry, not only is this so, but we also boast in God through, the, through our Lord Jesus, through whom we now have received reconciliation. See, the thing is, God didn't just leave this suffering thing there. He actually answered it with his son, Jesus Christ. Justification by faith gives us Christ. So what are the results of faith? It's a relationship with God. Romans 5, 1 through 2, it tells us this. Therefore, we have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which now we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. What's the second thing? The second result of faith is glory in our sufferings. Romans 5, 3, Romans 5, 3 through 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. Because we know that our sufferings, our suffering produce perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's Love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And what's the last one? The last result of faith is forgiveness. 
When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time to die for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us, sending Christ to die for us while we were sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. There's the forgiveness. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ. He made us friends of God. So I don't know what it is in your life tonight. I can't tell you what it is. I'm not I'm not I'm not walking with you like the Lord is. Could have found out that someone in your life just got diagnosed with cancer. Someone was blind, deaf. You lost your job, you lost your relationship, your car wouldn't start. Your body image issues. Struggle with anxiety and depression, depression with self doubt. You don't want to wake up in the morning because you don't know where the next meal is going to come from. Your parents don't want you. Your friends don't want you. You don't feel like God don't want you. Matter of fact, you're struggling with something in your life and you don't want to tell anyone because you're afraid of being disowned. Through all your suffering, God is there. So as we bow our heads, close our eyes and, and do something that's, that's, that's different for us, yet thrive. We, we're going to stop coming here to play church and uh, to play like we're believers. We're going to come here to actually invest in the relationship that we have. So maybe uh, over those, the things that I've just said, maybe uh, someone in here is actually struggling with those things. Maybe I didn't ma- name what you're struggling with. But you want to bring that to the Lord in prayer today. With all eyes closed, if that's you, if you're one of those things or you have something you're struggling with, suffering, I want you to raise your hand. Out of no shame, raise your hand. I see the hands and I see that God is good. That God wants to meet you in the same suffering that you're in. To produce perseverance in your life. And it's totally prompted by the Spirit. Skylar, could you come up and play the piano for me? And the people who raise their hands, if you want to make that bold step and to come here right now and be prayed for, if you want to allow hands to be laid on you and allow the Lord to actually work in your suffering, that the Lord would now bring forth perseverance in your life, to bring proven character in your life so that you can look towards your one and only hope in Jesus Christ. Make that step to the altar today.
No, I'm not saying that this step will change your life. I'm not saying that this step will, will save you or give you some bonus in heaven. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that this step in faith is a step in faith to say, God, I know that you've got me in this suffering. So I ask anybody who wants to could come up. If you raise your hand to one of those things, you don't have to be ashamed. Because the person that looked to you in condemnation and looked to you to point you out is the same person that's probably going through something themselves. So don't be ashamed today to come and stand, to be prayed for, that the Lord would use your suffering for his glory. God wants you, my friends. He doesn't want to give you a life of this, this life of prosperity. No, he wants to give you a life of him. He doesn't want to, as young adults, make us live this life that the world tells us to live. No, he wants to change our lives from the inside out, circumcising us from the heart so that we could say that we are now children of the most high Jesus Christ. And then whatever it is in your life, that if, 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 it, if it's, he doesn't care. He wants to come in your life whilst it's a mess so that he can clean it up. You don't have to clean up your life first to come to Jesus Christ. It's a lie when people tell you that. Matter of fact, he wants you to come with your mess. He has the biggest broom in the world and he's ready to sweep out your house. But make the step in faith so he can do that for you. So with all hands extended to the people up here who walked out in faith. God, I ask right now that you'll meet all of us, including me. I'm standing here as one of them. That you'll meet us here, God, at this altar. God, we stand in your presence. That your Holy Spirit will change our lives, God, whatever it is. God, our own self-doubt, self-pity, God, our own pride and guilt and shame that comes on us. God, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I said the enemy has no power over our lives. I rebuke him right now. See, God, the enemy wants to take out this generation, but you, God, have a plan for our lives. You tell us that you want to see mature believers. God, and we pray for maturity in our own faith. God, I pray, God, for, for people who may not make that step today to walk up. God, you know where they're at. Meet them where they're at, God. Tell them that they are not alone. That you said in 2 Corinthians 1 that you're a God of comfort and you want to comfort your child. So God, I ask right now that you will meet them where they're at. God, I pray for people who don't know you, who in here might not be true believers, who want to make you their Lord and Savior. I pray for an intentional choice. God, I pray that they'll make that intentional choice to follow you for who you are. God, you want to justify them by faith. So when they make that step in faith, you will change their lives, God. God, you wouldn't change all the material things, right? You change their spirit so their soul can be set with you. God, I want us to be able to cry out, it is well, even in the midst of trial. So, Father, we love you. And we adore you. And you are our Lord and King. In your name I pray. Amen. Feel free to keep receiving prayer if you're up here already, or if you would like to continue to come and receive prayer, that's great. But I am going to transition us into a time of small groups where we're going to discuss uh, Devontae's message. And so um, there might be a slide. Okay, there is a slide. Good. Um, if you have been a part of a group in the past, we'd encourage you just to go to that same group. Um, and if you're new here tonight, 
then feel free to go with the person that you came with, or if you're here with a whole bunch of people who are new tonight, you don't know where to go, um, feel free just to kind of uh, come up here, and I'll be happy to kind of point you to a particular group. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just allow the leaders to go to their places, and, and just if you um, are have any questions about where to go, just talk to, to one of the people um, who is a small group leader, come talk to me, and we'll point you in the right direction. So let's come back here at 9.05 tonight. And uh, leaders, I think there should be some questions on uh, the WhatsApp soon. Devante?